You're tuned in to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of The Frankie Files. I'm Frankie Tees. Today, it's time to do an overview of the history and timeline of Morningland Church in Long Beach, California. You'll be hearing from me, whose time in the cult was from 1974 to 1986. I was age eight while encountering the church with my mom and twin sister. Today's episode won't concentrate on my family's story, but the public sequence of events in Long Beach and Escondido, California, property and real estate dealings, and legal battles which Ed Masry fought as the official Morningland attorney. I'll use several archived articles to articulate the church's Long Beach and Escondido, California history, as well as excerpts from my upcoming memoir, Unpublished Yet, to fill the history in. Our family went to the Long Beach Church in 1974, a couple years after it was founded. Donato was in charge along with his wife and a clergy member called Morningstar. There was other gopis too, which is essentially their clergy, female priestesses. They did spiritual events with Hindu chanting candles, beautifully ornate rooms with hanging crystals, soft light, and purple cloth everywhere. Healing readings, an astrology, tarot, numerology, and other mind-reading tricks took place in groups. Those got people interested in private readings, which were the money maker at $50 an hour way back then. They also taught classes in metaphysical arts, which intrigued my mom. Kids played in one room, watched by a disciple or two, while parents were in sessions. Disciples were given a new spiritual mantra and initiated as belonging to the Master Donato the Christ. We paid $25 for a silver medallion to wear around our necks. Chain not included. I remember because we had to go buy the chain to wear the medallion. My family were all made disciples by Donato in 1974 and were each renamed. We're considered original members, joining quite early in the church's history. Here is a dramatis persona to articulate some of the main characters in this. Dan Sperato, who founded Morningland, is an Italian man who was nicknamed Donato by his family. He abandoned his wife and infant from the East Coast, New York area, to relocate to California and marry Patricia Diable. For years, Donato was the North Long Beach, California art director of the Boys and Girls Club. He participated in huge park pancake breakfasts, which included Boys and Girls Club members and their families, plus members of his metaphysical church. Donato died in November of 76, and his church was continued by his wife, Sri Donato. It still continues today. He had the nerve to align himself with Jesus as the second coming of Christ. Sri Donato, a.k.a. Patricia Diable, Patricia Sperato, Sri Patricia. She was a California resident who visited New York, met Dan Sperato, and uh, had a wild weekend, according to her stories I heard one time. He closed his restaurant and came to California to be with her. They had two children, which they also abandoned, to start their church. After his death, Shri became the leader of the cult in Long Beach, California. The sadistic manipulator who destroyed my family systematically and over many years sex trafficked my twin sister and I and enslaved us in a compound located at 2600 East 7th Street, 
Long Beach, California. Sri Donato died in 2004 and was buried under the church where she corrupted so many in Long Beach. Saravati, a clergy member in the religious cult Morningland. She's a gopi and second highest ranking member in the church of Morningland next to Sri Donato, now the highest ranking. A person who helped destroy my family and relationships with them. A conspirator in my sex trafficking. A sexual abuser. A vicious character who followed orders of Sri Donato and was given acid by Donato at age 14. A lifelong recruit in the cult of Morningland, whose parents resided nearby in Seal Beach despite her lack of contact with them. The Lama, a coke-addicted professional ballet dancer, Terry Smith, joined Morningland in 1980 and was initiated as a disciple by Sri Donato. She renamed him Kamazi X-5, a clergy order with one other man named Kamazi X-1. He later became very important to Sri Donato after X-1 left and was further initiated as the Lama. X-5 was instrumental in grooming and conditioning and sexual victimization of me. Shokru, a gopi who was beneath Saravati in rank, a woman who joined the cult young, was a married adult and later became single as her marriage was destroyed by Sri Donato. A woman who was intrinsic in my destruction, training, and control, as well as someone who benefited from my service as commanded by Sri Donato. She sexually abused me for years. Ed Masri. Ed Masri is a Ed Masri was a California attorney made famous by the film Aaron Brockovich. The film covers a case Masri won as a lawyer. Masri was the attorney for Morningland at least since 1976. He was intrinsic in keeping the leaders out of jail on several occasions. More on this later. The Morningland Temple. 2600 East 7th Street, Long Beach, California is an entire complex and city block. It includes a synagogue, a parking lot, a garden area, upstairs and downstairs in the main building, and a row of storefronts. It exists to this day under a new name. Not Morningland Church, but the Monastery. The leaders have not changed. The Lodge, the retreat location of Morningland, is in the small resort city of Crestline, California, at 23956 Park Lane, Crestline. The property is a couple of acres and has three stories. The loft upstairs was always for clergy only. The main floor with large sitting area and fireplace kitchen facilities and another sleeping area for teachers and staff. Retreat guests slept in rooms with bunk beds on the first floor, which also had shared shower facilities. Crestline is near the resort of Big Bear, California. Crestline is also near Lake Gregory, and kids' retreats would visit an area of recreation known as Camp Seeley nearby. Morningland had other names on paper, legally. The board members of this organization were in Huntington Beach and Orange County. Some names include the Brotherhood of Peace and Tranquility, the Church of the Brotherhood, and another, Morningland Corporation, was registered in Los Angeles, California. Morningland Church of the Ascended Christ was the name in San Diego County. In 1974-75, a huge drama in the history of Morningland was unfolding in Escondido, California. To be clear, Donato ran Long Beach, and Sri Patricia, her name kept changing over time, ran Escondido. A two-acre plot of land was purchased in Escondido by the founding couple by Morningland Corporation. A storefront rental was also leased where a boutique was featured with metaphysical stuff. In addition, metaphysical readings took place in the back room. The resale of tarot cards and knickknacks and books was the merchandise in the bay window. Sri Patricia and some gopis lived in the city and did events as plans were laid to occupy the two-acre midway property. But that was impaired by protests of local neighbors. Neighbors went to the city council to oppose Morningland moving into the property. 
So that was in stasis and halls were still being rented for main events. According to the Times Advocates Jim Molnar, who covered these stories ferociously from Escondido, it was in 1975 the Midway two-acre property was purchased. In 1976, a business license for Palm Street was obtained. Also in 1976, protests had halted the license applied for by Morningland on those Midway properties. At the same time in 1976, Donato, the founder of the church, Dan Sperato, died at the Crestline property. The cause of death is listed as heart failure, which must have cast doubt on Sri Patricia as she was with him at his time of death. There were arguments between them in board meetings recorded by various parties before his death. A TV interview scheduled within days of his death were surprised when his female gopis or clergy members showed up and he didn't. They were evasive and told the interviewers he had a flat tire, hiding his death from public as long as they could. Hundreds of people were excommunicated from Escondido. Then Sri Donato took a trusted few to move full-time to Long Beach and continue saving the earth. Wink. In 1976, the Midway property in Escondido spot was sold due to the neighbor's oppositions. In 1977, Morningland Corporation bought 2600 East 7th Street from Jewish synagogue owners for $119,000. It has since become much more valuable. Now I'll intimately describe the property which eventually became my prison for many years. From age 14, I was there 75% of my day. I lived there and almost never left from age 18 to 21. So I know the property intimately. The entire city block was owned by this time, 78, by Morningland Corporation. It has storefronts and a large double hall, one side a church with pew benches and a raised altar with beautiful wood paneling, previously a synagogue, another a wooded floor with geodesic wood ceiling. It was a thing of art. The facade of the building was all white and reached from Ohio to Molino on 7th Street in Long Beach. Huge trees were on the corner of 7th and Molino and stained glass windows adorned the church portion. The storefronts were many and each held a teaching room, boutique, and one even had a printing press and document preparation. The original temple where my family first went was on 7th and Ohio. It was all glass windows and glass door. We were initiated by Donato there, so owning the whole block was quite an expansion after they were run out of Escondido. Back then it was valued at $100,000 or so. Imagine what it is now. You're tuned in to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com Hey everybody, check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you.
Each storefront had a back door exit, which led onto a paved sidewalk and three-foot or so brick wall partitioned from a driveway next door in an adjacent large apartment complex on Ohio. The apartment windows could overlook the back doors of the storefronts. People would sometimes sit on the wall and have a cigarette on breaks from classes, etc. This is Long Beach and housing is impacted as it's a beach town, and the beach was less than 10 miles south of this location to my shock now, I never really went there during my life in Morningland. It's an awful and ironic fact when I think about it. Such deprivation. The row of storefronts all had large bay windows in front, which were decoratively adorned with cloth, art, and posters. Trees the city maintained were sparse along the block, and a bus bench sat at 7th and Molino still does. There are three entrances to 2600 East 7th Street, the main property, on Molino and 7th. The first entrance is a double wood door on 7th Street where the storefront buildings were separated in structure by a tiny space between buildings. As you walk in, there are two small offices used to give readings, very lavishly adorned, and a glass table with partitions serving as reception area. You walk south on a shiny linoleum floor, and to the left is a large main office, which is very private, with the word private on the door. This is where Sri Donato and staff hobnob between classes and reading. A large chalkboard is on the brick white walls, filing cabinets, couches, and the like are about. A TV and video machine also are there on wheels. It's the 1970s at this time, and there's no internet or CD, remember? As you walk south, a door is to your right, and it reads private. It has a half door that opens. No one knows what's in there, but Sri Donato always comes from that door in the hustle and the bustle of nightly classes. To your right again, a door opens into a hall with lots of wood cupboards. A ramp leads into a huge kitchen, a kitchen with industrial oven and refrigeration and freezer. As you enter that kitchen, a door leads to an outdoor area that is the parking lot, which holds at least, say, 20 or so cars, by my estimation. Back to the hall, with 7th Street to your back, facing south, you walk and see another large office reading private that complements the previous one on the left. The office had just desks, chalkboards, and filing cabinets. Its closet has more files, and this is where the bookkeeping resides. The closet has a floor-to-ceiling shelf and is filled with taped movies. These were bootleg movies of blockbuster-type rentals that were made each time they had a film out for rental. Illegal, of course. I would later become one of the only people able to quickly find the films in a hurry in the hundreds of catalog films shelved there, which had no alphabetization. In private after-hour sessions and exclusive training, Sri did not allow to use movies for indoctrination. She had all of them memorized and would play some repetitively. As you gaze out of the bookkeeper's room, there is a hall leading to a laundry room, double doors, which were always locked, that go outside, and a stairwell leading to upstairs classes. Heading south in this hall again, just adjacent to the bookkeeping and money counting office, you'll find another large double-sided room. This is where they currently have people in for meditation. As you enter the main meditation room to its right, where new people attend, you find an altar and carpeted room with pillows strewn about. Sometimes it's the kids' room, and sometimes new people attend guided meditations there. Huge windows provide a view of an ornate garden. A heavy floor-to-ceiling pleated divider opens and closes as needed. The room's other half is a shiny linoleum with cupboards, a sink, and a counter embedded against the bookkeeping room wall it shares. It has an adjacent door without access due to filing cabinets on the bookkeeping side, which clearly are confidential. The floor-to-ceiling link windows show a beautiful garden and Japanese-style wood pagoda, which shields the sun. Wood benches in a U-shape are built in and look like a wood theater in the outdoor. 
The area is enclosed by a slatted wood structure with gorgeous fuchsia bougainvillea growing and winding on the frame. The building ends here next to the neighboring apartment building. I'm sure they got an earful. I'm sure they still get one. We would often sing and chant in the veranda breeze. Breeze on your skin, sun on your face. It was luminous. A huge turtle was a permanent occupation of the area and his name escapes me. I spent many a time feeding and petting the huge thing. I read that Sri Donato wrote a fiction book about this turtle, but I had not remembered that. She was always obsessed with a movie called Watership Down, which was an animation, yet an adult theme. So the book about a turtle doesn't surprise me. Back to 7th Street. The second entrance on 7th Street was never open. It went into an office, an adjoining bathroom was there, and secret door to the church was there. No one was allowed in there. Off of this office is where the mail drop came and was a catacomb. Later, I found out what lurked behind the rooms adjoining the temple on both north and west walls. There was a living quarter there. This was her backstage, and later I found out it was adjacent to where she lived. It was one of the entrances to her area of the residence, which was at the center of the entire building, with an atrium and half-opening door which leads to that hall I mentioned. The third entrance to the building is on Molino. This public interest is the most used for Sunday service adjoining dome room events. The Pew Church has an amazing resonance and echo. The acoustics are bar none. As you enter the anteroom, a stair leads up to men and women's bathrooms with stalls and a secret room where the band equipment was stored. Rehearsals sometimes happen there too, but not often. To your left is the temple. We mainly rehearsed on the stage in the dome room. Two main benches lined the back of the main altar temple where the upper echelon sat. They were directly under the stained glass windows which shone through so stunningly into the congregation seats at and white altar. The main area pews were left and right and wood with plush cushion. Hundreds could fit there. The altar was raised by three white plush carpet steps and adorned on the floor with flowers, photos, candles, and seashells full of water. This is where the rituals took place. This is where the main Sunday services were held each week. This is where Sri Donato talked to the mothership hovering above Long Beach in opposite latitude and longitude to Jerusalem. Alrighty then. Exiting the temple from the anteroom, walk forward and you're in the dome room. The room was all wood. Geodesic wood ceiling, beautiful original wood floors, and a raised stage. This room could hold 400 people plus standing, and the hall would often be used for ornate public dinners, dinner theater, rock concerts by the Saravati-led band Shiva, small concerts featuring my sister and I, and speaking congregational meetings or large projector screen movies. Dance rehearsals, band rehearsals, holiday boutiques for weeks leading to Christmas also took place as well as indoor garage sale and swap meet type events. There was no lack of use of this room. If you're back in the garden and look up, you find a second story housing the classrooms used weekday nights. The second story of that part of the building of 2600 East 7th Street has, I would say, 15 large classrooms and several small rooms. One such room upstairs was a jewelry workshop. All jewelry for disciples were made by a pro in-house. I know because I was an intern there for a time. The alchemist could draw a design, create a wax mold, and heat the metal, pour, buff, and shine it. She had all the equipment. The medallions given at initiation were made in-house. It was an original design of Morningland that symbolized the rising sun and were a silver pyramid. So the property created and sold jewelry as a part of its many riches. The alchemist, whose name escapes me, also designed and created specialized jewelry for Sri Donata. The leader had various precious stones, such as amethyst, ruby, and diamonds, adorning her neck and fingers, made in-house. 
For no personal profit, the metallurgist also created jewelry to sell. These would be at a boutique on-premise and sold at suggested donations. Further, just at the top of the stairs to this floor, there was a utility closet for mop and other equipment to clean the upstairs room. That is where I was made to shower, from a sink, for years. It's hard for me to believe now. There was also a men and women's shower area that was previously public restrooms. These were used only by the upper echelon. The upstairs was used during the week to conduct very well-attended classes in metaphysics, and there was even a class on how to write your healing testimony. Testimonies of disciples and guests were printed in books, magazines, to keep the propaganda going. Gotta keep that propaganda going. Healings took place on Sundays when Sri Donato or one of the gopis would, at the end of the service, offer anyone to come up and sit in a spacey-looking white chair facing the altar. Hands were floated over the head and chest and then floated over problem areas that needed attention. You could request a healing or talk a bit if you wanted. Also, your chakras could be put in alignment during this time per request. A chakra alignment was another reason to walk up to the altar before hundreds of people and get some personal attention from the clergy. It varied weekly how many people would go up. There was also a donation collection, which is what it's all about in the end. They could rake in a lot of cash at these events. That kept the bills paid, the fur on the master, and the doors open. As you can see, the place is quite sprawling. You're tuned in to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com Back to Escondido Branch Drama. So in April of 1978, Charles Rickers and Inez Binham went to the city council in Escondido. Their complaints on Morningland included the organization was breaking up marriages, seeking control of minors, and making false claims of medical cures. A woman named Kathy May was living through breast cancer and receiving healing from Sri Donato and the Gopis at the same time. They claimed to heal her, but she died of the breast cancer. Her husband sued for $22 million and received 50000 in an out-of-court settlement. Morningland used a very high-profile lawyer named Ed Masri, of Aaron Brockovich fame, to handle this issue. This would be the beginning of a long relationship with Masri for the church and Sri Patricia. To backtrack, in summer of 77, we, my family returned from sabbatical. All members of Morningland in Long Beach were put out to await a callback right after Donato died. Some never got called back. How I wish now that we had not. We were called back, and my mom remembers there being much discussion amongst members of the church about who was left, how Donato died, and the fact that all the Gopis and Sri Patricia moved back to Long Beach and now ran it. There was no more Escondido. Sri Patricia changed her name to Sri Donato. 1978 was a big year for Morningland, and we knew very little of what was happening. Remember, there's no internet, and a very intense closed-mouth campaign was definitely in progress to control the information the Long Beach members got about what was going on in Escondido. We knew nothing. The church was busy in Escondido countering the city council's initiated police investigation into the wrongdoings in the community. Ed Masri held that Morningland was being denied their constitutional rights of a church with the city council and the Escondido investigation as no information was being provided about its findings to Ed Masri. In October of 1978, 
the investigation was dropped from Asri and Morningland Corporation. The city dropped the federal lawsuit. Each part paid its legal fees and went its separate way. By April of 1978, the Times Advocate reports half the Escondido members were purged, and some of the Long Beach members too. Total membership of the church dropped from 1,000 to between 250 and 400 at that time. Morningland during this time went from doing Sunday service and other events in rented halls, operating the storefront gift shop and boutique where readings were given, to close up shop and move to Long Beach. Though the charges by San Diego police could not prove the claims to heal a woman of cancer wrongly, the breaking up of marriages or seeking control of minors by luring them away from their parents using permission slips, etc., during 78, Morningland, Shree, Patricia, and the Gopis were virtually run out of town in Escondido. Only three of the nine Gopis remained once the purge was complete. Those three joined Shree Donato at the new Morningland in Long Beach, California. In May of 1978, the drama continued in Los Angeles County. Some of the Morningland members of the rock band Shiva attended a fundraiser as guests of Morningland Church's lawyer, Ed Masry. The fundraiser was held by... Dimely, who was running for public election. A $10,000 check was in play, which was not labeled as a campaign contribution. It became very important. Mervyn Dimely was a lieutenant governor in California, 75 to 79, and later a U.S. congressman. According to Russell Chandler of Los Angeles Time, religion writer, April of 1979, the attorney general, Duke Majan, had an affidavit and searched the Morningland Long Beach office and Ed Masry's office in Sherman Oaks. The search aimed to uncover the nature of the $10,000 check Masry accepted from Morningland, then gave to Dimely. The attorney general was trying to prove Sri Donato, Patricia Sperato, Patricia Diable, attempted to bribe Dimely to set up a legislation committee to influence laws favoring freedom of religion in California. I remember Dimely looking wide-eyed at me while sitting intimately with Sri Donato at her command post in the kitchen off of the dome room. I highly suspect collusion now, just based on the look he gave me. But I was just running to and fro at that time, helping serve food at an event with 300-plus people. What an odd memory, and I never knew all this was going on or who he was at the time just that he was a VIP guest. I had to internet search his name and then wham. I recognized his face as the man sitting with Sri Donato, chatting in a very intimate manner. In April of 1980, Ed Masri and Sri Patricia were indicted by the San Diego Grand Jury. Ed Masri for theft by taking $10,000 under false pretense and Sri Patricia for misapplication of funds. Masri was also indicted for using monies to retrieve two children who resided with their parent in Hong Kong after a divorce. The children belonged to one of the Gopis in Morningland who did not approve of the custody her husband was awarded. Remaining unscathed, Sri Patricia was acquitted due to misconduct by her lawyer, who testified against her during the trial. That's a different lawyer than Ed Masri, Shri Patricia had used him, and he acted against her based on his knowledge of his client, and that was not allowed. Masri was acquitted of bribery but convicted of grand theft by false pretense. A new trial was ordered for him due to jury misconduct. He eventually got off on that charge, claiming he was not availed of a speedy trial. Masri was very crafty. I remember clearly Masri standing on stage of the main altar in Long Beach at a Sunday service. He stood with Sri Donato on the huge ornate altar. 
he was being initiated as an honorary disciple. Sri Patricia called him a freedom fighter and told the congregation hundreds were present that he cleared her of all the false accusations that had happened of late. Little did we know how close she came to conviction following her husband's death and how twisted her intent to influence a local state public official was. She wanted to ensure her activities wouldn't be opposed further and crossed a line to ensure that. But she came through the fire unburnt, except publicly. There was a lot of press about these incidents. Due to the fact it was all shielded from members, disciples mostly did not even understand all that had taken place or what she was even cleared of. These changes came on the tail of Donato's death and were a whirlwind. She took full advantage of everyone's disorientation, a lot like the play Hamlet, when the new king takes over his reign and marries his brother's wife. It feels so dirty just thinking of it now. In 1984, these charges resurfaced as two counts of embezzlement for the 10000 given to Masri in an effort to stop the investigation into Morningland by Escondido Police Department. It did not stick, but members of Long Beach or those in Escondido who moved to Long Beach due to closure of Escondido never were informed about the details of any of this. There was, again, no internet, and the news was simply easy to bury. She got off scot-free. We were told that the Attorney General tried to make a victim of Morningland and their freedom of religion. We were told in many speeches that Sri Donato was fighting for freedom of religion of all churches in California and the United States. She was, <laughs> but I had no idea what that meant to her. I was soon to find all of that out. There were dramatic handheld camera films taken by one of the members of the Gopis who were screaming about confidentiality and freedom of religion throughout the film. The black and white film, actual film in those days, was of the California Attorney General serving a warrant and searching the premises for evidence of bribery of Daimoline. These videos were shown to us and videos were shown at large, well-attended Morningland events, too. It was extremely dramatized, of course, because it was Sri Patricia and Morningland. She claimed complete innocence. Another disaster averted by a master manipulator and her lawyer, Ed Masri. Money talks. Just another weapon in the arsenal of Sri Donato used as her propaganda and turned into a gaslighting situation where her wrongdoing was never disclosed. Another genius move by the lawyer who showed Sri Patricia how to scoot through anything using freedom of religion. Another time I think back to the fact that if she were convicted, my life would have been so good and so different. I left the place in 86 and never looked back. Morningland is now run by Gopi Saravati, Gopi Shokru, the Lama, a.k.a. Kamazi X5, and has a very small number of disciples. They've renamed it the Monastery, an intentional community, in an obvious effort to obscure their past. But Skin remembers. There's several online sites which show the valuation of this corporation as worth $5 million. A website which is still up despite the webmaster's death speaks of several members who are angry having put a lien on the property. That means if they try to sell it, these people will probably be paid damages owed. I am not one of those. The site is up posthumously x-morninglanders.com for your information. Healings, readings, family separations, broken marriages, incest, rape, slavery, drug use, child endangerment, deception of people who sought healings are things this cult Morningland has left in its wake. Though never exceeding a few thousand members, I personally know so many who survived the psychological damage caused by its leaders. But it's not over. The people that crazy Sri Donato trained 
are running the monastery using all the tactics taught to them by Sri Donato at the same location, now the monastery. Let it be known. Word must get out to stop these people from tricking and harming others. Enough said. Tune in next week for more on cults. Hear my mom and I in episode 9 discuss our family separation by this church. Share the podcast where you can and help us by becoming a subscriber on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, and more. It's totally free. Download the previous episodes new each Tuesday. Stay tuned for announcements on my upcoming interviews about my survivor story from Morningland Call, and I look forward to bringing you more each week. Until next time. FrankieFilesPodcast.com You're tuned in to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com So in April of 1978, Charles Rickers and Inez Binham went to the city council in Escondido. Their complaints on Morningland included the organization was breaking up marriages, seeking control of minors, and making false claims of medical cures. A woman named Kathy May was living through breast cancer and receiving healing from Sri Donato and the Gopis at the same time. They claimed to heal her, but she died of the breast cancer. Her husband sued for $22 million and received $50,000 in an out-of-court settlement. Morningland used a very high-profile lawyer named Ed Masri, of Aaron Brockovich fame, to handle this issue. This would be the beginning of a long relationship with Masri for the church and Sri Patricia. To backtrack, in summer of 77, we, my family returned from sabbatical. All members of Morningland in Long Beach were put out to await a callback right after Donato died. Some never got called back. How I wish now that we had not. We were called back and my mom remembers there being much discussion amongst members of the church about who was left, how Donato died, and the fact that all the Gopis and Sri Patricia moved back to Long Beach and now ran it. There was no more Escondido. Sri Patricia changed her name to Sri Donato. 1978 was a big year for Morningland, and we knew very little of what was happening. Remember, there's no internet, and a very intense closed-mouth campaign was definitely in progress to control the information the Long Beach members got about what was going on in Escondido. We knew nothing. You're tuned in to... The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com